and verse 8. And um, you guys are blessed this morning because, yes, that, and, you know, uh, 99% of preachers this morning are preaching on John chapter 8, verse 32, if the Son therefore shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. And then they're preaching on Galatians 5.1 that you stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. So um, you're blessed because I'm not preaching on that this morning. And um, in their defense, I went to bed last night planning to preach on Galatians 5. So uh, no, no, not judging them. Amen. Uh, I, I just, I just, I'm, I don't do well with themes. Um, I started preaching in October of 2007, and so, you know, and I, our, our church on Sunday mornings that I was part of, we had about 100, to, anywhere between 100 to 200 people on Sunday mornings, and so December of 2007, my pastor thought it'd be a good idea for me to do the Christmas message, and I got up there, and about 10 minutes in, I realized I'm not good at this. And uh, I was, you know, I was done in 10 minutes, and it was probably the shortest Baptist service in the history of Baptist services. But I, so I've not tried to do themes since then. Um, but we are going to talk about freedom this morning. Uh, this morning, I'm going to preach on physical healing. Is that okay? Is that okay with you guys? Um, so we're, we're going to talk about freedom this morning, but we're going to talk about freedom from sickness. And... I'm going to tell you what's going to happen this morning. I knew going into this week, you know, I, I, I talked to my wife about yesterday, I was like, not many people is going to be at Grace Point this Sunday, right? It's a holiday, I get it. There's, like, my family's not here, they're at home getting ready for a family barbecue, I get it. But what is going to happen, and especially, I believe, on the live stream, it'll happen to you here today, too, but as people hear this word, things that they've struggled to be healed from, they're going to be healed from. Healing is going to manifest in their body, and they're not even going to notice it. They'll discover days later that I've not had that pain since Sunday, or say they watch it on Monday, whenever. But people will be healed hearing this message. Not because of me, but but because of the Word of God. That's what I expect to happen. And that's what will happen. So let's go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. It says, this is Jesus speaking, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Now every now Jesus here says, I'm He which is, which was, and which is to come. Now, every spiritual truth has and is a was and an is to come. So, for every spiritual truth, you can look at it from the angle of it being present tense, you can look at it from the angle of it being past tense, and you can look at it from the angle of it being future tense. Even our salvation. People, you know, Angie brought it up a while ago. People argue over our salvation because they don't understand that salvation itself is a past, present, and future issue. Right? I talk about that a lot here. It's a past issue in that our spirit man has been born again, been 
been sealed with the Spirit of God, that cannot be lost. Okay, so we are saved. It's also correct to say that we are in the process of being saved. As our soul man, our mind, our will, and emotions are in the process of being renewed and being saved. But salvation is also future tense in that our bodies will one day be resurrected and we'll have glorified bodies when Jesus returns and that's how we'll enter eternity. Okay, so it's, it's accurate to say salvation is past, present, and future. Every spiritual truth is that way. Every spiritual truth has an is, a was, and an is to come. So it is with healing. Okay, and you need healing right now. It is very much a present tense thing that you need right now. If you're dealing with something in your body, you need healing right now. For you, healing needs to be is, okay? And then healing can also be an is to come because I believe your future is filled with health and healing. Right? I know that if the doctor was to give me a bad report tomorrow, healing is in my future. Healing is available to me tomorrow. Healing is available to me next week. Okay, Healing will be available in my future. But yet the foundation that the is and the is to come is built on is the was. Okay? The foundation of healing has to be that it's in the past tense. That doesn't mean that you don't need it now. That doesn't mean that it's not available now. That doesn't mean that you can't receive it now. That doesn't mean that it's available in the future. But those things, receiving it now, receiving it then, depends on seeing that it was. Okay, don't let me lose you, but... but so. What I'm going to talk about this morning is the past tense of healing. And let me say this. Don't get bogged down with deep questions about this issue. Because when you start talking about stuff being, in the, stuff being done in the past, but yet you have the need now and it's available to you in the future, people start trying to figure everything out. And I get that. I'm an intellectual person. I'm always thinking. I get that. But, but you don't need answers as much as you need revelation. And revelation can come with you having a whole lot of questions. But you know this truth because you have revelation. So this morning, my, my goal is for you to receive revelation concerning this issue. Okay? Because... Listen, I, I preach, you know, I talk about healing every time I'm behind the pulpit. But I only preach about one message a year strictly devoted to healing. And that is always the message that someone gets mad at me about. Not anyone here, no one here. I know every one of you, nobody here is going to get offended this morning. But before the end of the week, someone will send me a message, and they're going to be really upset about this, this message. Um <laughs> And they might not because I just said that. So I might have saved myself a message later in the week. But more than likely, someone is going to have a problem with this message. Because whenever you talk about healing, there's always the temptation to be offended. Okay? 
Listen, don't allow condemnation to come in this morning. Anytime you talk about healing, anytime you talk about the promises of God, there's this temptation to be condemned, to feel condemned. Okay? Listen, coming from someone, listen, my family, we've dealt with this issue of, of sickness and healing, you know, for, for the last 13 years. There's still things going on in our household that we are dealing with this issue. So there's no condemnation. When you see it as a challenge for a better standard of life, not being condemned because you're not measuring up. Okay, this is a, is a challenge, and it's good news because Jesus done took care of it. Okay, so it, it's good news. So, so uh, just, just promise me this morning you won't get offended. Hear my heart because there's some things when you're talking about this, healing been in the past tense, that... Um, like I said, it's, it's tough to understand. So with that being said, let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to begin with verse 2. And um, very familiar scriptures here. We talk about them a lot. All right, let's look up at the screen. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. If you need healing, you need grace. Okay, Healing is an issue of God's grace, not an issue of God's sovereignty. See, a lot of people in traditional circles have the idea that I'll be healed if God chooses to heal me. Okay, so they see it as an issue of his sovereignty, not an issue of his grace. What is the grace of God? I know we say the unmerited favor, but that's not a complete definition. My, my definition of grace is it's God's provision for every need of man. Okay? So, yes, grace makes us righteous, but don't stop there. Grace also provides healing for you, prosperity for you, peace for you, joy for you. All right? Grace is the, is the supply from God for every need of man. Grace is what you need. See, because we have this idea that grace is something that you get when you first get saved and you just got to renew your mind to how much you got. Not according to Peter. According to Peter, grace can be multiplied unto you. More grace. All right? So there's more grace available for you today than you experienced yesterday. Okay? So grace is what you need. And peace be multiplied unto you. If you're dealing with sickness, I don't know of anything you need more than peace. Right? Because when you're dealing with sickness, man, that, that where Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, that's when your heart starts to try and get troubled on you. Okay, that's why he had to say, let not, because he was warning you, listen, your heart is going to try to be troubled. All right, so if you need healing, you need peace. Peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So he's saying, if you need healing, we're going to look at it in that context, if you need healing, there's something that you need to know. Okay, verse 3. According as His divine power has given unto us 
All. Everybody say all. All things that pertain unto life. Does your health pertain unto life? Does healing pertain unto life? Every single person in this room, every single person that watches this, you all know someone who needs healing, who needs good health. We all have need of good health. So Peter is saying that Jesus has supplied everything, past tense, has given us all things, including healing, that we need for life. And godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now this morning, I, I never noticed this, but when I was reading this this morning, do you realize when he says virtue, you could replace that word with healing? So we could say he's called us to glory and healing. I don't follow. Where do you get that? Mark, you don't have to turn there, but listen to this. Mark 5, 29 and 30. Speaking of the woman with the issue of blood. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Listen to what Jesus says. Immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him. What went out of him? Healing, right? Virtue, healing. So we can equate virtue with healing. So we could read this as, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life, through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and healing. Okay, let's read it that way. So verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Listen to this. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, most newer translations, I don't like them as good with this verse as I do the, the King James. I like all King James except LeBron James, but... Um, <laughs> But, you know, King James, New King James, it's all good, as long as it ain't LeBron King James, okay? Uh, having escaped the corruption. When, most newer translations will say depravity, but I think what it's calling to mind here, the corruption that is in the world through lust, it's calling the corruption that came into the world through the lust of Adam and Eve, right? In the Garden of Eden, when it says she saw the tree that it was good for food, she lusted after it. And because of that, and because she partook of that tree, corruption came in the world. Sickness is a form of corruption. All right, and we're, we're going to look at that more later. Because every time, all sickness is, is sickness is just... It's just a form of corruption. We'll get on that more in a little bit. That is in the world through lust. So just as Adam and Eve partook of the tree of knowledge and good and evil and invited corruption into this world, you can partake of something better and invite healing into your world. Invite health into your world. You can, you, you can escape the corruption that is in the world through the fall of man. The rebellion of man. Alright? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, another verse that I preach on all the time. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, that's past tense, blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Everyone say all. All. So would all so let me ask you this. Is healing a blessing? Then healing has to be included in this. And according to that, according to the Apostle Paul, then it's already been done for you. So let's read it this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has healed you in heavenly places in Christ. Now the word blessing, when we think of the word blessing, and I've talked about this a lot, but I need to say it again, it's been a while. When we talk about blessing in our culture, we're saying, you know, Paul blessed us with those sunflowers this morning. Well, what we're saying is he gave us something, right? If someone pays for your food in a drive-thru, they blessed me, right? That's, we tend to equate blessing with doing. But biblically speaking, blessing is speaking. The word blessing in the Greek means to be well spoken of, to speak well of. So, and, and, I, and I've said this a hundred times, and I'll say it a hundred times more, we need to learn the power of a spoken blessing. If you need money, yeah, I, I can give you money, and yes, that will help your need right now. But if I have a revelation of a spoken blessing, do you know the, most, the, the best thing I can do for you is speak a blessing over you? And if that, does, if that doesn't register, you need that revelation. Okay? So a blessing is a spoken positive. A curse or a cursing is a spoken negative. All right? So a blessing is a spoken positive. So let, let's read this this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has spoken over us in a positive manner all spiritual blessings. So what it's saying is God has already spoken healing over you. And when I bless you, I'm not hoping. Something takes place in the spiritual realm that activates that in your life. How much more so when God speaks something over you? And it, according to this, He's already spoken it over you. And when He spoke it, it went into motion. It was activated. Okay? And, and what's it mean in heavenly places? You know, I, I've explained it different ways, but I believe in simple terms, in heavenly places. It's not saying, because the way that, that religion and, and tradition teaches this is, well, you'll get it when you get to heaven. No, in heavenly places is where God has spoken from. He's spoken from His throne. The highest place in all of existence, God has spoken from that place. In Christ, that's where the blessing is to be uh, accessed. Some people are waiting for a word from a doctor. Some people are waiting for a word from a prophet, from a preacher, from the, from the evangelist to tell you that you are healed. You have a word from God that you are healed. That's why when, when we pray for people, when we speak blessed, go, listen, go to the Gospels. 
Read the Gospels. I, I will never forget a few years I was reading through the Gospels, and I had this revelation. Jesus don't pray like I pray. Like I, I would, When I was praying at that point, I was like, Lord, if you would do this, Lord, do that. Lord, I, I ask you to do this. Like I had a revelation of authority, but I still found myself praying in that manner. But Jesus would just say, you're healed. You're healed. That was a blessing. He was speaking it as if it was already done. And the moment he spoke it, guess what happened? It happened. It was done. And we're gonna we're gonna get to to, to that. Yep. Okay. But let, let's go to now. This is a verse most of you have probably never noticed. Go with me to Hosea chapter eleven and verse three. So it's clear to see. That from a New Testament perspective, God has healed us, right? Jesus has healed us. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Just like I said, I, I've, all, I've had this revelation of authority, but a few years ago I realized I didn't pray that, in that manner. You know, just until six or seven months ago, I really struggled with this healing being a past tense thing. I seen it in the Word, but I struggled with it because, again, I, I, was, I was fighting that past, present, future, that is, was, and is to come dichotomy of, that, of healing. This verse was the revelation that opened this up for me. Hosea chapter 11, verse 3. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms. What, what he's actually saying is, I gave them the help that they needed. Right? Just, just like when, when, when my children fall and I pick them up, He's saying, I gave my children the help they needed. Look here. But they knew not that I healed them. Here's the revelation that I had. Because I was looking at it like, okay, yeah, you say you, you've healed me, but look at me. I'm, I'm dealing with something. I'm not healed. According to God, this is God speaking, you can be healed and not know it. They knew not that I healed them. So yeah, we've got the one with the issue of blood. I already quoted that. She, she knew immediately that she was healed. But according to God, there are people that are healed and they don't know it. Every one of us that are dealing with sickness in the body of Christ have been healed. The question is, do we know it? Most Christians, and, and I'm just saying it because most don't have this view of healing being done. They don't know it. They've been healed of what plagues them, of what stresses them out, of what uh, is causing problems in their marriage, of what is causing the, the bills to rack up, and they don't even know it. You can be healed and not know it. That was the revelation for me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Now, I, I want to address this real quick because this is, this is you know, we, we can all quote this verse, but I want to read it and I want to address some things. 1 Peter 2, 24. 
who his own who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were is were past present or future tense past tense so you have been healed is what peter's saying now here's the argument right here's the argument because he's talking about sin and righteousness the argument becomes, this is spiritual healing. He's talking about being healed spiritual. All right, here's what you need to see. You can't separate sin and sickness. You can't do it. Now, when I say that, remember what I'm about to talk about, this is the part I'm more likely to get some mean messages about. You can't separate sin and sickness because all sickness is ultimately the result of sin. Now, majority of that sickness has to do with Adam's sin, right? It's just it's this nature that we've inherited. But sin and sickness, you can't separate the two. The word, so, so listen, if you deal with the, see, all sickness, like I said, is the result of sin. So if sin is the root and sickness is the fruit, if you pluck up the root, you get rid of the fruit, right? We, we've talked about that in grace with, with, you know, performance and behavior. It's true also with healing and sickness. If you take care of the sin problem, you are simultaneously dealing with the sickness problem. They can't be separated. The word sin, listen to this, means to miss the mark. But now tradition just focuses on the to miss part. You missed it. You messed up. You did this. That is only half a definition of sin. To miss the mark. Sin is more about what you miss out on than it is about what you do. When we talk about sin, we should be talking about what you miss out on when you hit that, when, when you miss that. Because of what you did, because of or, or what you're doing, let's say, because of what you're doing, you're missing out on this abundant life that Jesus died to provide for you. Okay, what is sin? I, I say it this way. Before the foundation of the world, God planted this life for every one of us. This abundant, amazing, healthy, prosperous life. I truly believe that. And he looked, and in his foreknowledge, he seen these things that would cause you to not enjoy that abundant life, to not inherit that healing, to not inherit that joy, to not inherit that peace. And whatever it was that caused you to miss out on that, he said, that's sin. See, we got to stop thinking about sin as a heaven and hell issue. Because everyone who's going to get offended at me for everything I'm about to say, it's because when they think sin, they think hell. You guys won't because we, we've, we've, we've taught on that so much here. That, that, you know, sin isn't a problem with God no more. You know, sin is no longer a heaven or hell issue, but it is a heaven on earth issue. It will cause you to miss out on the abundant life that Jesus died to provide for you. So, uh, and let me give you an example. Look, look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. See, like I said, in tradition, we just focus on to miss. That's only half the definition. And I'm going to prove that right here. 
For all have sinned. Okay, Paul, that sounds good, but what is sin? And come short. Right there, that's to miss. Right? Come short. You missed it. But look, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, for all have sinned and come short, period. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's the mark. So don't say sin is just to come short. Sin is to come short of the glory of God. So listen to this. Again, you're going to get offended if you just think sin is a heaven and hell issue. When we are sick, that is sin. Hear me out. Why? Because that is causing us to miss that mark that Jesus hit for us. Okay? Now, I'm not saying if you're sick, you're in sin. I'm just saying sickness itself is sin. Right? Because it's causing us to miss that mark. All right? I know that's hard to swallow, but please hear my heart. So, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, sin is any time we come short of a mark that God has made. Healing is the mark. Come short of it, we should call that sin. Joy is a mark. Come short of it, we should call that sin. Peace is a mark. Come short of it, that's sin. If we would begin to see it that way, we would begin to hate sickness as much as we do adultery. We would begin to hate sickness as much as we do abortion, as much as we do all these other issues. And the moment we begin to hate sickness like we hate sin, I'm telling you, we'll see more healing. The problem is we, have, we are raised to coddle sickness. You know how many times I told my grandma that I had a sore throat so I didn't have to go to school? Sickness good, right? Because if I'm sick, I ain't going to school. Sickness good. School bad. Healing bad. Health bad. And I went to a... I mean, listen, we were raised believing in healing. So, so when I got sick, I had to go to church and get prayed for that night. And I was like, no. You know. You know, I can remember one time, and people always ask me, why do you believe in healing? And I could give you so many reasons. But, you know, the, the, the earliest example I had is one time I had a knot, like the size of a grown man's fist, pop up on my shin. We didn't know what it was. Like, it just, it was, it was a knot, and it, it, it was red, so we didn't know if it was a spider bite or what. And, uh, you know, here I am thinking, I'm probably going to get out of school tomorrow. And this is really cool. But, but, my, but my, my folks, you know, my, my grandma and grandpa, they're, they're worried about this. So uh, they take me to church that night, and they sit me on the altar, and, and, you know, all these people pray for me. And it was dark out. It was a night service. And, you know, by the time we got home in 15 minutes, that knot was disappeared. Like no redness, no swelling. It, was as, it, was, it looked just like the other leg, you know. And so, but anyways, that's just the, there's a testimony. But, um, so, we coddle sickness. You know, I know people, and, and I, I'm not talking about anyone. So, like, if, if you're in a situation like this, I'm not talking about you. But I know people who, ref, who do not want heal, healed. They do not want good health. They don't want a good report because that's their, that's their cash cow, so to speak. You get what I'm saying? That is their access to their benefits. So they don't want healed. 
right? So in our culture, we normally don't hate sickness. We get something small comes up. You know, like every year, I, I used to deal with allergies every spring. And I'd just be like, it's springtime. That's what you do. You deal with allergies in the springtime. I get out and I cut weeds. I cut grass. That's, that's going to happen. And a couple of years ago, I had this revelation. And I said, no, that's not, do you know that sickness is not normal? Now, it is if you're comparing yourself. But what did Paul say? Comparing themselves among themselves. It's not wise. But when I compare myself to the glory of God, to God's standard, sickness is not normal. Okay? Sickness is not normal in my house, even when we're dealing with it. And like I said, we deal with it often. It's, I still refuse to accept the idea that it's normal. I hate it. I despise it. I've seen the evil of sickness. You all have seen the evil of sickness. All right. If, if, so let me go on here. Let's go to Romans chapter 6, and we're going to begin with verse 1. If you struggle to still see this, that, that healing is a past tense deal, but yet I'm not experiencing it, so that can't really be so, or something along those lines. I want to help you see a spiritual truth that is very much the same, that is very much the same way, and it might help you receive this better. Um, we're going to go through all of Romans 6. Now, I'm going to do this quickly, reading it as it is, and I'm just going to explain it a little bit, and then we're going to move on to something else, and you'll see where I'm going. This part might be hard for you to hang on because you're like, I don't really see what this has to do with anything. Just hang on with me, and when we get to the end of this, I promise it's going to get good. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So Paul's dealing with the issue here. Should a believer keep sinning since we're under the grace of God? Right? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So here it is. The Apostle Paul says, you are dead to sin. Now, let me ask you all. Do you sin? Yes, right? We all sin. At least me and Connie does. Nobody else said yes, so <laughs> at least me and Connie sin, all right? So me and Connie get, get two gold stars. All right, so since me and Connie are the only honest ones in this room, uh, so you're dead to sin but yet you still find yourself sinning, okay? So does that make this verse not true? No. See, sin here is a noun, and I've done a whole message on this, and I go all through Romans 6, and I think we titled it, What About Sin, or something like that. It's been five or six years ago I preached it here. But uh, when it says this here, it's actually talking about the sin nature. And it's saying that your sin nature is dead. That was the old man. You now have a new man. And since that sin nature is dead, the root has been dealt with. So here's the fruit you should be experiencing. Okay? It's not... It's not... Because this is the way tradition uses it. All right, this right here says, Sin shall not have dominion over you. Since sin has dominion over you, you must not be saved. Don't look at it that way. 
I look at this as a promise. Sin doesn't have to have dominion over me, right? All right, let's keep going. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Now, let me ask you this. Was you literally buried with Jesus? Literally? No. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So listen, he's saying, sin is dead to you. Your sin nature is dead. Yet, then he says, but you should not serve sin. So it's interesting here, if you read this slowly, he's saying your, your old man is dead, sin is dead, but you can still sin. Sin is dead, but you still need to walk free of sin. And people on the flip side dealing with sin and sickness, they say, yeah, you're sick, so you must need healed. But Paul's coming at the issue, you sin, you need to know you, you were dead. Okay? This, we're going to go somewhere to this. I'm telling you, if I'm going to lose you, it's going to be here, but if you'll hang on. For he that is dead is freed from sin. I've got a really funny story about that, but I'm going to get into it in a minute. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He lives, He lives unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. He says, so you need to, con even though you find yourself in sin, the solution is consider yourself free from it. But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. So he's giving you practical present tense advice. He deals with what's happened in the past in your identification with Christ. And now he's telling you what to do in the present about that. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. Listen, like I said, that's not a judgment scripture. That is actually a symptom scripture. If you have a fever, is the fever your problem? It's a symptom letting you know that something else is going on in your body. Sickness, or excuse me, uh, uh, sin is a symptom of being under the law. Somewhere you're under the law. Somewhere you're under performance. Somewhere you're under obligation. It's a symptom. Okay? Let's read on. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you are the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness." 
All right, let's jump down to verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you struggle to see how, how healing can be a past tense issue, but still at the same time something you need right now, I read that to show you that it's the same with sin. Your sin nature has been dealt with, but yet you can still live in sin. But freedom from that sin is still your reality. It's still available to you. So here's what we're going to do. All right, you, Casey, you don't have to put these uh, up, on the, up on the screen. We're going to go through Romans 6 again. Now, remember what I said about what is the root of sickness? Remember? Sin. So what we're going to do is we're going to read all through Romans 6 again. But here's what I'm going to do. And listen, like I said, you're not going to have this on the screen. But if you want a copy of this, if you'll let me know before we leave here or send me a message, I'll send you my notes. Okay, because here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through Romans chapter 6, and every time it says sin, we're going to replace it with sickness. And every time it says like righteousness or something like that, or obedience, we're going to replace it with healing. I want you to know this, this is amazing. Okay, let, let's look at this. Watch verse 1, Romans 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sickness that healing may abound? Verse 2. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sickness live any longer therein? Do you consider yourself dead to sickness? Think about this. Just listen to this. Know ye not, verses 3 and 4. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, listen to this, even so we also should walk in newness of health. This is the Grant Fraley version. When Jesus was on the cross... He took upon himself every form of sickness. He became the curse of the law, and in the curse, it literally says, every sickness and disease. So whatever it is you struggle with, whether it's small or big, Jesus took it upon himself on the cross. Okay? And here it says that just as Jesus... Uh, we're, we're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of health. So when they took him off that cross, he was covered with every tumor. I believe that he looked mangled from every form of arthritis. And I, I've said this before. I believe that the reason they didn't recognize Jesus after his resurrection was because of the image they had of him on the cross. On the cross, it says they couldn't even recognize that that was a man. So when he appeared to them after his resurrection, they had that image in there. It was burned in their head. Have you ever been with someone that died tragic or looked just bad when they died? That image will burn in your mind for a long time. I was with someone one time that died, and I just, I mean, the look of it was just bad. And my wife will tell you for months I would jump out of bed seeing that image. Like, it, it terrified me. 
And, and, and God had actually supernaturally healed me through a dream about, about that. But for months, it tormented me. I would jump up all the time, could not sleep, thinking about that image. So he took upon himself all of, let's put it this way, all of your sickness, whatever it is, small, big, he had that upon the cross. When they took him off the cross, he had that. But when they seen him three days later, guess what he was free of? Your sickness. Your sickness was no longer in his body. And just like he was resurrected to newness of life, you can be resurrected to newness of health. Okay? Verse 5. Listen to this. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, or we could say sickness on the cross, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, full of life, and health, free of sickness. Just like you identify your, your sickness with Him on the cross, you need to identify your health with Him in His resurrection. Because here's the thing. Remember that message I did from the cross to the throne a few months ago? So Jesus took your sickness. Remember, sickness is a spiritual issue. So when He descended into the lower parts of the earth, your sickness went with Him. Jesus took your sickness to hell. He left it there. He locked the door and he took the keys with him. It can't touch you no more. Yeah, but I'm, I, I don't care. It can't touch you anymore. He took it to hell. He left it there where it belongs. He walked out. He locked the door and he took the key with him. Okay? Knowing this, verse 6, knowing this, that our old man, we could say sickness is an issue of Adam, so let's say our sick man. Knowing this, that our sick man is crucified with him, that the body of sickness might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sickness. Listen here, guys. The power of sickness has been destroyed. Just like the power of sin has been destroyed. Well, okay, Grant, if that's true, why do people still sin? See those first two words in that verse, knowing this. People still walk in sin because they don't know this. We walk in sickness because we don't know this. That our sick man is crucified with him that the body of sickness might be destroyed. Sickness has been placed in the unemployment line. Yeah, it's out there. It exists. It's real. But as far as you and I are concerned, it's unemployed. It's not going to find any work in our body. You know that the Bible actually says this. The author of Hebrews said that Jesus did this to death, that he destroyed death. Do people still die? Only me and Connie are the only ones who have seen people die. So the rest of you are in la-la land, but I'm just kidding. So people still die, right? What that means is when it says he destroyed death, when you look that word up, it says to make unemployed, to render obsolete. What's he saying? People still die. You and me, if time goes on, we'll probably die. But listen, 
Here's the good news. As far as I'm concerned, death can't touch me. He done tasted death for me. When I die, I won't even know it. I'll just be here. Next thing I know, I'll be there. I won't even know it. That's why it calls it falling asleep. Do you know the moment you fall asleep? No. I tell my wife all the time, I, I, I say all the time, I wish I could just lay here and say, I want to go to sleep and I'm out. Right? You don't know the moment you fall asleep. You're just laying there and next thing you know, you're dreaming or you wake up. Right? That's the way it is with death. All right? So he has rendered death obsolete to us. That's why we don't have to fear it. Because we won't know. We're dead to it. I'm dead to death. In the same way, I'm dead to sickness. And the reason you're, you fear sickness is because you fear death. If you didn't fear death, you wouldn't fear sickness. You find power over death, you know what you get power over? Sickness. I've shared the testimony with you guys time and time again. My wife and I, you know, when, when Jordy was on the ventilator for over a month in Denver, you know, we were, it's like this elephant in the room that, okay, he might die. <laughs> And one night, we sat in our living room, cried our eyes out, and dealt with the fact that he might die. And when we did that, we acknowledged and we came to this place, well, the worst thing for us would be the best thing for him. And you know, when we acknowledged that, we had been fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting, and like nothing was going our way, right? Every day was a bad report. Like I hated waking up in the morning because I knew Dad was going to get a bad report. That night we did that. The next morning, Keisha goes to Denver. And that morning, you know, her phone rings and she gets a call. She answers it. And it says, hello, Keisha, this is Andrew Womack. And that's when Andrew personally called her and prayed for George. And you know, after that moment, it was good news after good news after good news. And I don't equate it with Andrew. I actually think Andrew was confirmation of what happened the night before. I don't, I don't equate it to Andrew's power. I think what turned that situation around was the way we viewed death. And when our view of death changed, we overcame that thing. When you start to look at death differently, you'll begin to view sickness differently. You won't fear the bad report. You won't worry about, you won't worry about the sickness. Okay? Because here, here, so I said that henceforth we should not serve sickness. Do you serve sickness? Ask that to yourself, though. Like, be honest with yourself. Like, as I, as I was meditating on this this morning, I could see areas in my life where I serve sickness. Listen, I know what that's like. The medical bills, the hospital visits, the, like I said, the bad reports. We find ourselves serving this corruption. Man. Verse 7. For he that is dead is... Listen to this. For he that is dead is freed from sickness. Practically speaking, literally speaking, when someone dies, you don't go up to that person and say, look how sick. They're dead. 
They're dead. You can't sit there and look at a dead person and say, man, I really hope in a year when they're down on the ground they don't get cancer. You don't worry about that. That's no longer a concern of you. Why? They're dead. When you're dead, sickness can't touch you. Sickness can't affect you. You are dead. Sickness can't touch me. I'm dead. I said at the conference, listen, you can hand a dead man a shovel all you want and he will not dig you a ditch. I can go, you can go up to a dead person and say, well, buddy, I hate to tell you, but mama had cancer, daddy had cancer, grandpa had cancer. You're going to get cancer. Ain't going to phase him. Why? He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> if we would only, listen, it's, it's just, what I'm saying here is this healing being in the past tense, you just need to, to just change the way you view it. Change the way you look at it. So many times when people get a bad report, the way we look at it is healing is hard, sickness is easy. Just begin to change your mind and say uh, healing is easy. Every time we deal with something in our house, I say to myself, it's easy to be healed by Jesus. Read the Gospels. Do you see one place someone had to beg him for healing? Do you, I mean, the closest thing we come to it, right, is a woman that said, Sir, you know, uh, heal my daughter. And, and he just takes her through this whole issue about covenant and the Gentiles. And she says, Yeah, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. You can read that conversation. That conversation took about 15 seconds. So even begging Jesus for healing shouldn't take us no more than 15 seconds. That's how easy it is to receive healing from him. Okay, so when, if you're dealing with something in your body, I want you just to begin to say to yourself, it's easy to be healed by Jesus. It's so easy to be healed by Jesus. You know what's hard? You know what's hard dealing with the doctors? <laughs> you know what's hard? Medical bills. You know, and I'm not saying don't fool with those things. I'm, I'm contrasting the two kingdoms. It's hard to be healed in this kingdom of darkness, right? In, the, in this world, in this kingdom, it's hard to be healed. Side effects, hospital visits, doctor visits, therapy sessions, it's hard to be healed in this world. But in our kingdom, it's easy to be healed. It's, it's normal to be healed in our kingdom. Stop thinking sickness is normal. In our kingdom, health is normal. Healing is normal. I did a message last year. Tim was there at a different church. That sickness doesn't belong to you. When you, uh, Exodus 23, 25, when, it's, when he said, uh, he says, I will, bless your, I will bless your water and your bread and I will take away sickness from among you. That word take away in the Hebrew, I love it. Do you know what it means in the Hebrew? Go look it up in Strong's Concordance. You don't have to look hard. Blue Letter Bible, you'll find it. To take away is one Hebrew word, and it means to turn off. So God, under the law, was saying healing as, is as easy as this. Flip that light switch. That's how easy healing is. But we don't view it that way. All right, we need a mindset change. Do you get that?
So you are free from sickness. And I, I wrote this down this morning. Sickness isn't just something you can be healed of. That's the way we look at it. Sickness is something that you've been freed from. See, because as long as you're saying, I can be healed of this, you're still pushing it off. It's still within your grasp. That's good. That, that, that's a good beginning place. But when you come at it from the position of, I've already been freed from this, that changes the game. I'll give you an example of this. A few years ago, uh, right after my wife had Graham, she, she developed some issues with her heart. Her, her heart rate got extremely, extremely, extremely low. I see people all the time on Facebook, like, pray for me, my heart rate got down to this. And I'm like, listen, that's nothing. Like, you're good. Keisha's heart rate got down one night. I was watching her sleep because I was kind of freaking out because her heart rate gets so low. She was asleep. We was in the hospital at Central Baptist. Her heart rate got down to 18. And, like, I started shaking her. You know, I was like, get up, get up, you know. And uh, so that, that's how it, it was like camping out in, in, like, between 24 and 48. Like, you know, it's bounced around between there. But it was staying really low. But long story short, we stayed in the hospital for a week or two. Central Baptist couldn't figure it out. They, they took her to Cleveland. <laughs> so I get to Cleveland. And uh, so I get to Cleveland. We get there really late, like 2 in the morning. And that hospital is huge, right? And I end up having to walk. And, of course, all the doors are locked that would make it easy for me to get to the car in the emergency room parking lot. So I have to walk. I'm sorry to say that. I have to walk through this ghetto, right? And I am a boy from Hazard, Kentucky. I, I, I'm not excited about this walk, right? I'm seeing some sketchy characters. And so I'm, I'm flying to my car, right? I'm, I'm a little, I just, I just want to get to my car. So I get to my car, and so the parking lot to get in, I had to, you know, get a ticket, uh, you know, so I can pay to get out. So when I, so I come to the spot where normally, you know, you would pay for your, your car or, you know, somebody have to let you out. So I see this sign that says, push this button to get out, right? If you push the button, the gate will be lifted, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. So I just drive up to this gate. I see the button. So I buzz it, and nobody answers. I keep buzzing it, and they're not answering. I look, and I see them sitting there at the window. I'm blowing my horn, pushing that button. They ain't answering. I look behind me. There's five or six cars behind me, all right? Finally, I look up. When I look up, guess what? The gate was never closed. <laughs> I was free to go the entire time. The entire time, I was free from that parking lot. But I was just sitting there buzzing. That's the way we are with healing. The gate's been lifted. It was, but you're sitting there buzzing, expecting someone to do something that's already been done. That's how we are free from sickness. I wrote this. Many of us are sitting pushing the button for healing, yet the gate is already open. We just aren't looking at it. We are too focused on the need to get out. 
I was sitting there struggling to get out. I was a free man. So many times with sickness, we're struggling to be healed. We're already free. All right? Romans 6, verse 9, in the Grant Fraley version, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead gets sick no more. When Christ raised from the dead, he didn't have to worry about the curse of the law that was sickness anymore. Sickness, listen to this, I love this, sickness has no more dominion over him. Being raised from the dead gets sick no more. Do you know that every sickness, do you know what the goal of that sickness is? It's to kill you. Allergies, you know what they would do if they could? They'll kill you. A cold, you know what it'll do if it can? It'll kill you. See, we, we, we know, see, see we, 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 we see that with cancer and, 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 and heart issues and things like that. But listen, the, the, the goal of allergies is to kill you. That's, that's, I mean, that's its goal. So Jesus, it says here, knowing Christ being raised from the dead gets sick, sicknesses goes death is what I put. No more sickness has no more to be over him. Verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sickness once. I'm not dying over and over to sickness. I'm dead to sickness. But that in he lives, he lives unto God. Listen to this. Likewise, reckon or consider yourselves also to be dead unto sickness, but alive and full of health unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when they're dealing with sin, Paul said, listen, consider yourself righteous. When dealing with sickness, consider yourself healed. It's done. You're dead to sin. When sin comes knocking, don't answer. When sickness comes knocking, don't answer. And I know that seems really hard. And listen, there, wherever you are, there's grace for you, okay? Like I said, right now in our home, we're dealing with something. I feel like we've been fighting it for years and we'll get relief from it and it comes back knocking. Listen, I'm at the point, I'm not answering no more. Okay? You're dead to sin. You're dead to sickness. Yeah, y'all ever heard the, the, the <laughs> you ever heard anybody say to you or just heard it say, you're dead to me. Right? People get upset, you're dead to me. You need to say that to sickness. You're dead to me. You can knock all you want. I will not answer the door. You're dead to me. Verse 12. Let not sickness therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. All lust means, listen, we think of the word saying lust just means it's trying to pull you away from God's plan for you. You need to begin declaring, I will not let sickness reign or have dominion in my body. Look, see, because look, the first two words of this verse, let not. We don't have, most Christians don't have that view of sin. Right? Most Christians have this view that the sin nature is still alive in me, therefore I can't help it when I sin. Even as a grace person, I don't have that view. I have the view that every time we sin, you know why? We wanted to. 
right? And, and what that does is, I think that's good news, not bad news. I don't get condemned when I hear that. That's good news to me because that means, wait a minute, I'm not a slave to this. I have a choice. I chose to do this, all right? I can, and just as I chose to do it, I can choose not to do it. What if we viewed healing the same way in sickness, okay? And here's the thing, guys. God purchased your body. Do you realize that? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that God has purchased your body. Well, if he purchased... I think, I think me and Gwen was talking about this a few weeks ago. If he purchased your body, and it, that means... Okay, if he bought it, who, who, who does it belong to? So why should you let someone, someone else have their way with that body? Who are, you know, right now, we have to get tires put on both our cars this week. So right now, I, I borrowed my mom's car, and I drove it this morning. I have no right to just go get a new paint job on that car today. It's not my right. You know why? It's not my car. I don't have the right to go put a big sticker on it, Grant, right? <laughs> it's not my body. And if I did that, you know what happens? As soon as I take it to her, she'd rip it off. You can let sin reign in your body, but as soon as you go to be with Jesus, he's going to rip it off. Okay? We have no right to allow it in our body. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sickness. Sickness is unrighteousness. Why? Because it misses the mark. All right, don't think heaven, hell, don't think your relationship with God, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto healing. Here is, so he's saying, listen, when he's dealing with the sin issue, he said, listen, you want to be free from sin? Just yield yourself to God. You want to be free from sickness? Just yield yourself to healing. Just, it, it's as, it is simple as just yielding yourself to God. Verse 14. For sickness shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. Listen here. Sickness is not my Lord. Jesus is. But if sickness is dictating what I do every day, it's telling me where I have to go uh, this time next week. It's telling me what I have to do. It's sending bills to my, to my uh, mailbox. Then listen. It's, it's being my Lord, and I don't like it. Remember, wherever you are, there's grace for you. But Jesus is your Lord, and you need to begin declaring that. Jesus is my Lord, and He's Lord over my body. Under the law, there was a curse of sickness, but not under grace. See, because look, He said, For sickness shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. In other words, He's saying, Listen, you ain't under the law, so why be sick? Under the law, you disobeyed, you got sick. He's saying, well, under grace, you disobey, you still got healing. You disobey, you still got health. You disobey, you still got Jesus. You disobey, you still got salvation. You disobey, you still got righteousness. Why not be healed? Why live with sickness? Verse 15, what then? Shall we be sick because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves, servants to obey his servants, you are to whom you obey, whether of sickness unto death or of healing unto righteousness. Who do you obey? 
But God be thanked that you were, say, I was. I was the servant of sickness, but I have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered me. Being then made free from sickness, you became the servant of righteousness or healing. Sickness, listen to me, sickness from the smallest to the greatest is an attack on your purpose. It's an attack on your destiny. It's an attack on your calling. But when you're free, see, and and if I'm dealing with sickness, I'm hindered from fulfilling that calling. I'm hindered from fulfilling that purpose. But when I don't have sickness, I'm free to fulfill God's plan for me. The word righteousness in the Hebrew, it's my favorite definition. See, we think of righteousness of being right with God, and it is correct to say that it means uh, to be in right standing of or with. That's true. But in the Hebrew, righteous means, uh, means as it should be. So when you're declared righteous, God is saying you are as you should be, which means for one, with Him, right, in relationship with Him. So sickness is unrighteousness because it's as it should not be. Healing, health is as it should be. So you should be well. All right, guys, let's keep going here. We're almost done. I speak after the manner of men, verse 19, because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto health, for when you were the servants of sickness, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? Listen to this. For the end of those things is death. Medical bills, doctor visits, side effects, heartache. The end of all of those things, whether it's now or 75 years from now, is death. All sickness can produce is death. That's the fruit of sickness, death. But now, verse 22, but now. Everyone say now. Remember, he's saying you've been freed from sickness. But now. So we've talked about the was. Here he's going to talk about the is. But now, being made free from sickness. If you want to be free now, then you need to know that you were made free then. And become servants to God. You have your fruit unto healing. Healing is your fruit. And the end everlasting life. Listen to this. Verse 23. Just listen to me for a minute. Okay, I want you to listen to the way I did this. For the wages of sickness is death. But the gift of God is healing, health, and life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You have been healed. Now you're free to experience it. Healing is not something that you have to work for or make happen. Healing is a reality of your redemption. It's something that's already been done. And we just need to flick the switch. So, so, so listen, let, let's get practical and then I'm finished. What should I do? 
See, that, that was my problem with, with the, this you've been healed stuff. Right? I mean, I, I could teach it, I knew it, but in the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, but we're dealing with this at home. How is this really that practical for me? And this is the way. When God gave me that revelation of Hosea 11.3, this is because I want to be practical. I just don't want intellectual information. Right? I, I want revelation that, that, that changes my life because it, 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 I respond with action to that. So I was like, okay, God, I get it. I can be healed and not know it. I know I've been healed, so what, can, what should I do now? And this is, what God, this is the way God put it to me, and I'm going to put it to you like this. I want you to think of whatever it is you're dealing with. If it's something small, great, whatever it is. Or if there's something you fear, you may not be dealing with it, but maybe it's a fear you have of, of some sickness. Imagine right now that a doctor comes to you and says, you're, you're free from that. It's gone. It's taken care of. It's done. You no longer have that. It's going to be okay. You will live, and you will live free from this for the rest of your life. Or if it's something you fear, imagine you went to the doctor, and he said, listen, we've ran all the tests. We've did everything. It's not that. It's nothing. It's fine. You're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. Imagine you heard that report. How would you respond? Thank you, Jesus. So the practical part of this is if I know I'm healed. Listen, because here's what we do, guys. And listen, I'm all about principles for healing and things like that. But what we do is we deal with something in our body. And we think, okay, how many times do I need to rebuke this? How many times do I need to speak to this? How many times do I need to stand against this? How many times do I need to ask God to heal me of this? How many times, how many times, how many times? Listen, right now, here's all I want you to take from this message. Don't, don't ask God to heal you. Don't speak to it. <laughs> don't rebuke it. Don't deal with it right now, just in this moment. Don't be thinking, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to go home. This is good. I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell that sickness to go to hell because I've been freed from it. Don't do that. Consider yourself healed. Consider it to have already been spoken to because it was. And just begin to say, thank you, Jesus. When You know when your sickness will be a, a past tense issue? When you see it as a past tense issue. You know, for years we dealt with, with those issues with my son who's now in heaven. Do you know why we don't fear all, uh, you know, pulmonary hypertension was something he dealt with last few years of his life. You know we don't fear pulmonary hypertension we don't deal with pulmonary hypertension anymore. We don't speak to pulmonary hypertension anymore. We don't ask God to heal pulmonary hypertension anymore. Do you know why? It's in our past. It's in His past. We live free from it right now. Begin to approach your sickness that way. It's in the past. I'm free from it. 
I'm done dealing with it. It can knock, but I won't answer. I have been healed. Just, just, a, just a change of the way you are viewing things can make a world of difference. It can make a world of difference. And listen, again, wherever you're at, there's grace for you. I'm not saying, please don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying throw out your medicine. I'm not saying don't go to, to your next doctor visit. Right? I'm not saying any of those things. Every time, here's, here's what to do. Every time it hurts, say, thank you, Jesus. Every time you have to take that pill or give that medicine, thank you, Jesus. Every time you get that medical bill in the, in, in the mail, thank you, Jesus. Whatever it is, every time, every time it knocks, you just say, thank you, Jesus. Take that pill saying, thank you, Jesus. Right? Send that check in for that medical bill saying, thank you, Jesus. Walk around with that ache saying, thank you, Jesus. You know, I talked about allergies. Listen, and I'm not saying I never deal with them. You know, occasionally they try to come. But, you know, compared to five years ago, I don't deal with allergies like I used to. And I cut weeds a lot more than I used to. The other day, I cut weeds for, for seven hours. Okay, so I, I cut weeds a lot. But, you know, I never got a sniffle. I, you know, and you know why? Because I began to look at it like, you know what? That's not normal. It's not normal for me to have, to have allergies. God created this, and he said it was good. I'm not going to be allergic to it. Thank you, Jesus. And so when I'm out cutting weeds, I'm, or my eyes start to water, you know what I just say? Thank you, Jesus. I don't deal with allergies. I'm freed from it. And I'm telling you, praise God, I've not needed as much Benadryl because it knocks me out. All right? So I can receive healing. I've been receiving healing from Jesus, and he don't even have to knock me out. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Has this blessed you guys today? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, you're even getting out. I always shoot for 1230. It's 1225, so getting out five minutes early. You're good. I, I got finished early. Jeremiah gave us an hour at the conference. I got finished. I, I was so proud of myself. I got done at 59 minutes and 45 seconds. I, I was so proud of myself. When, when he told me I had an hour, when he told me I had an hour, I was like, there is no way. I'm going to preach in an hour. I have to, I, I get the honor of, of preaching at the church I started in ministry from here in September. It'll be the first time I've preached there in, uh, in 10 years. I'm really excited about it. But I'm a little nervous because I'm pretty sure, you know, I'll have like 30 minutes. And I'm like, I don't think I can preach in 30 minutes. Like, I'm just getting warmed up in 30 minutes. So, but we'll do what we have to do. Thank you, Jesus. All right, guys. Um, you're healed. You're blessed. Amen. And so we thank God for it. Hope you guys have a wonderful end.